Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Screen Facts with Jason Davis podcast. Every Wednesday, my guests and I talk about a movie that we've enjoyed, and we throw in some fun trivia facts during the conversation. Please like us at Facebook.com slash Screen Facts. You can also participate in the conversation by sharing your favorite scenes or characters from the movie that we discuss. You can also tweet me at Jason Davis Voice or email ScreenFacts at Yahoo.com. A programming note, we will not be publishing a new episode on the 24th because we will be on vacation. However, what we would like to do is invite you to look back on the archives and check out maybe a past episode. One that we recommend highly is episode number 28 for the film The Campaign with Will Ferrell and Zach Galifianakis. If you've never seen the movie, check it out. It's very funny, and I promise you it's going to look very similar to what we're experiencing in the current presidential election. Joining me this week on the podcast is my beautiful wife, Sue. Oh, thank you, honey. We're going to discuss a blockbuster of the 1980s. We do a lot of 80s movies on the podcast, I know, but you know what? This is the time when we grew up Great movies in this time frame. Mm -hmm. And I also find it interesting because last week we were talking about my doing some of the smaller movies with you. And you even called (laughs) me your what? Indie girl, right? Yes. Well, I am your indie girl this week also, but in a different way. Ah, good one. Ah. Nice. (laughs) We're going to discuss Raiders of the Lost Ark. So Raiders released June 12th, 1981. Of course, Harrison Ford and Karen Allen are the main stars of the movie. Directed by Steven Spielberg, the screenplay was written by Lawrence Kasdan from the story by George Lucas and Philip Kaufman. Original budget for the film, $18 million. It ended up costing closer to around $22 million. Oh, I hate when I do that. Oh, yeah. But you know what, though? This movie made a shitload of money. How much did it make? (laughs) (laughs) million domestically, $390 million worldwide. Well, okay. That's the all-time numbers, including re-releases and stuff. Mm -hmm. It was the highest-grossing film of 1981 by a long shot. Mm -hmm. And George Lucas, at the time, made what was uh, sort of an unusual deal for this movie. I don't know if you uh, heard about this, hon. No, I didn't. The studio financed the film's entire budget. In exchange, Lucas would own over 40% of the film and collect almost half of the profits after the studio grossed a certain amount. Turned out to be very lucrative for him. Paramount executive Michael Eisner said that he felt that the script for this film was the best he had ever read. Wow. And uh, that guy, of course, is synonymous with uh, quality entertainment. That's right. He went from Paramount to Disney? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's uh, a big shot for sure. Yeah. This one did pretty good uh, award season-wise, too. It did. Yeah, it won Oscars for Best Art Direction, Set Decoration, Best Sound, Best Film Editing, Best Effects, Visual Effects, and a Special Achievement Award for Sound Effects Editing. It was also nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Cinematography, Best Original Score for John Williams' work, who's always phenomenal. I love him. And Spielberg was also nominated for a Best Director Golden Globe. I gotta say, I really enjoyed watching this movie again. It had been a while since I had seen it. Me too. And I remember when it first came out seeing it, and you know, you gotta remember the mindset of uh, then... 12-year-old, I guess? 11 or 12? Me? Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's certainly different than a guy my age now. (laughs) But at the same time... I'm not saying anything. Okay, maybe not. Maybe not. (laughs) I didn't say it. (laughs) You didn't have to say it. The the way you looked at me. (laughs) No, but I mean, you know, obviously when you're a kid, you know, your eyes are wide and everything's like magical. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. honestly, this one holds up really well in that department. It sure does. It did for me, too. Uh, You know what? I had forgotten a lot of the little bits here and there. When we were done watching it, I actually said it's just one great scene after another. Oh, yeah. You know? 
Oh, they're just all so good. Absolutely. And there's a lot of iconic stuff. And we'll discuss each of the uh, most iconic scenes as we go through the podcast, mm-hmm. for sure. So shooting in Tunisia proved to be very, very stressful <laughs> for cast and crew. <laughs> and hot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in fact, it was so bad. How bad was it? It was so bad that Steven Spielberg managed to compress a six-week shoot into four and a half weeks because they just wanted to get it done and get out of there. Yeah. They actually finished principal photography 12 days ahead of schedule. Man. Which is pretty amazing when you think about everything that was involved in this movie. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff. And originally, the film was given an R rating. (gasps) I know. You know, you got to remember, 1981, that was before Mm PG-13. And... Sometimes a little bit of additional violence was mm-hmm. enough to get an R rating on right. a film. But an R rating for an adventure movie like this could be a kiss of death. Absolutely. Because then you're not bringing the kids to see it. Oh, yeah. I mean, know. you know, that's the whole thing. You know, yeah. They wanted to get the widest audience that they yeah. could. Yeah. Both Spielberg and Lucas were really known more for films that you could kind of bring younger people to. This is true. I mean, not all of their movies were for little, little kids, but certainly they were playing to the widest audience yeah, most absolutely. of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't guys that shot for an R rating rating most of the time right the reason that they got an r rating initially Mm -hmm. was when the guy's head explodes that's so awesome yeah it's very cool cool. very cool effect Mm -hmm. but um that was enough to put it over the edge for the r rating and so what they did to get it down to pg was they just put a wall of flames in front of it so it kind of i guess minimized the exploding head but it was still pretty intense i mean yeah i mean I knew, plus I had read about how they made the model of the head Mm -hmm. and this and that and how they had meat in there, too, to make it like look like the brains were coming out. And, you know, so I was really looking. It's cool. It's intense. Yeah. And that's the thing. I was watching this movie this time going, wow, if I was a really little kid, this might scare the shit out of me a little bit. There's some intense stuff. And I wasn't little, little when the film came out. You're a couple of years older than me. So I was like 11 or 12. Yeah. So so I was probably maybe like you know, 14. But I remember when the faces melted being freaked out. Yeah, it's not like there were a lot of other movies that had melting faces before that. Yeah, you know? that's true. <laughs> it's, that's a very intense scene, mm-hmm. that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And it served them right. Yeah. Fucking Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> You know, traditionally, when one of his films was about to open, George Lucas went on vacation to get away from the hoopla. Mm -hmm. So when Star Wars was just about to open, Lucas met Steven Spielberg in Hawaii. During the vacation, while they were making a sandcastle of all things, (laughs) Spielberg told Lucas he always wanted to direct a James Bond film. Oh, okay. Lucas said he had a better idea, an adventure movie called Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh After their trip, they got together and developed the script with Lawrence Kasdan. While working on the script, Spielberg and Lucas disagreed on the character of Indiana Jones. Lucas saw him as a playboy like James Bond, but Spielberg and Kasdan felt the character's academic and adventure elements made him complex enough. Yeah, and that's interesting because Spielberg said that he always wanted to direct a James Bond film, Mm -hmm. but he objected to this particular character being like James Bond. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and there's even that scene where Brody goes to Indy's house Mm -hmm. to talk to him about, you know, looking for the Ark, Mm -hmm. and Indy's in his robe. Right. And, you know, the reason for that was because... He actually had a lady friend in his bedroom. Right, which they don't explore in the movie, but in the script it said that. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I think they actually filmed it so she came out. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, you know, either she popped her head through the door or whatever, but then they cut it because they were like, no, 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 it's too much of a playboy that way. Yeah, yeah. You know, wasn't necessary. It's funny how the script for this movie came about when Lucas and Spielberg were hanging out on vacation mm-hmm. together. Another big blockbuster that we've talked about on the podcast mm-hmm. was developed during the production of this movie. That's correct. 
writer Melissa Matheson visited her then-boyfriend Harrison Ford during the film's production. During shooting breaks, she and Spielberg wrote what became the script for E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Ah, yes. And that, mm-hmm. of course, became, before Titanic, the, the highest-grossing film of all time. So mm-hmm. it's amazing how quick Spielberg worked because E.T. Yeah. came out shortly after this. It was like the next year. Yeah. So. So we talked about some of the stresses of making this movie in Tunisia, the location. Mm -hmm. One of the big things that happened was that the whole cast and crew got really sick. They got food poisoning. Really sick. Uh, The only one that was spared was Steven Spielberg. Yeah. He brought his own water and food, a uh, nice supply of (laughs) SpaghettiOs. Hey, you know what? Canned food travels well. That's right. Say what you will about SpaghettiOs. They kept Steven Spielberg healthy during the making of Raiders of the Lost Ark. But one of the most famous scenes in the movie, Mm -hmm. a very iconic scene, happened because of everybody being sick. The scene where Indy shoots the guy with the swords. See, Harrison Ford was supposed to use his whip, but he was too sick to perform the stunt. After several unsuccessful tries, Ford suggested shooting the sucker. (laughs) So Spielberg agreed. The rest is history. And it plays so well in the movie. You'd never know that it wasn't scripted. Yeah. It's awesome. It was one of the first times I just laughed out loud during it. And I believe there's a callback to that in one of the future Indiana Jones movies. Okay. I want to say the second movie, he comes up in a similar situation and he goes to shoot the guy and he doesn't have his gun. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which yep. is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a, a funny sort of, uh, not really a blooper, but there's a thing in the movie. It's almost like an Easter egg. There's a scene where Indy threatens the Nazis with a bazooka, like toward the end, where he says, I'll blow the ark up with this bazooka. Yeah, sort of yeah, thing. and they're in that canyon. Yeah, and the main bad guy, Paul Freeman, is standing there and... You can clearly see a fly on his face that looks like it goes in his mouth and it looks like he (laughs) swallows it. It goes in his mouth. Yeah. And it looks like he swallows it because you never see the fly come out. Right. As it turns out, Freeman said in an interview years later that the fly did go into his mouth. But then um, when he said the word bad in, in his dialogue... It flew out, but Steven Spielberg noticed it and thought it would be really funny to cut a few frames from the film to make it look like he swallowed the fly. And that's what he did. Freeman actually thought the edit was really funny, yeah, too. So. Yeah, yeah. But I love stuff like that. Yeah, that was know? fun. And then we were rewinding it to watch it again. <laughs> it's really great. <laughs> that scene was yeah. filmed in the exact same canyon in Tunisia used in Star Wars. Ah. When R2-D2 is zapped and he falls over and the Jawas take him away. Okay. Exact same place. Very cool. <laughs> There's a couple of uh, nods to Star Wars in this movie. Yes, there are. There's a scene where Indy and Sala finally get to the Ark and they're taking it out. Mm-hmm. And they're unloading it from its sort of resting place mm-hmm. or whatever. And there's all kinds of hieroglyphics on the wall there. On the there. pillars. On the pillars, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, And if you look closely, <laughs> if you're paying attention and pause, <laughs> like you can did. see in the hieroglyphics an actual hieroglyphic of R2-D2 and C-3PO, which is very cool. Well, why not? Yeah. <laughs> There's another little shout out to C-3PO because the airplane in the very beginning, Jock's airplane, mm-hmm. it has the registration number OB slash CPO. So that's Obi-Wan mm-hmm. and C-3PO. Very cool. So another one of the iconic scenes in the movie is when they f- discover the place where the Ark is located. Mm-hmm. The Well of Souls. The Well of Souls. Mm-hmm. And they open the, the top. And the floor and it, is moving. And, 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 yeah, and Salah says, Indy. Why does the floor move? <laughs> and Andy, of course, says, snakes. Why did it have to be Why'd snakes? Why did it have to be snakes? <laughs> so a lot of interesting stuff with that scene. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, first assistant director David Tomlin 
had a python latch onto his hand when they were filming. He wouldn't mm-hmm. let go until a crew member grabbed it by the tail and kind of whipped it. Mm. Didn't hurt the python in okay. any way. It kind of just gave him like a sort of a shockwave through his body that forced him to let go. Mm-hmm. But the Well of Soul sequence was filmed on the set of the Overlook Hotel from The Shining as well. So the producers had scoured every pet shop in London and the south of England for every snake that they could get on the set. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there just weren't enough in, in those <laughs> pet shops. So um, yep. what they ended up having to do... First off, they got legless lizards, too. Mm-hmm, to kind of fill in. Yeah, and if you look carefully, the legless lizards are, are, can be seen, if you look, just look for the ones with the ear holes, the snakes ah, with the ear holes. Oh, okay. That's yeah. one of the things to look for. Okay. Uh, but in addition to that, they had some hoses that they cut into different lengths mm-hmm. and put them in there. And again, if you look close enough, you could probably see them as well. I um, couldn't tell. Yeah, I mean, you know, you really got to be looking. Yeah. And, and because somebody told you that there's hoses. Right. You know, I mean, obviously, you're not going to do a big budget movie like this and, right. and have, and, you know, mm-hmm. hey, that's a hose. What the hell? Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the weeds in the scene were lifted by Lawrence Kasdan from the Dagobah set okay. of Empire Strikes Back, too, okay. which is cool. So mm-hmm. another shout out to Star Wars. <laughs> and a sheet of glass separates Harrison Ford and the arched and highly dangerous Cobra when he falls in. Mm-hmm. For years, you could actually see his reflection in the glass. Yeah, yeah, that was no secret. Yeah. And in recent copies of the movie, they've removed that digitally. Mm-hmm. It so looks it's, really cool. Yeah, now. <laughs> it's very cool. So to achieve the sound of thousands of snakes slithering, sound designer Ben Burt, who by the way is a genius. This guy is amazing. Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean he's worked on probably most of the Star Wars movies too, and he's come up with incredibly creative sounds. Yes. So he stuck his fingers into a cheese casserole to create the sounds, and then it was augmented by applying wet sponges to the grip tape on a skateboard. So that was like the snake slithering yeah, sounds. Yeah. So cool. Like, how do you come up with that in your in your head? Like, like you're eating dinner one night and going, this may- could be snakes. Maybe, yeah, I guess. I guess that's how it works. <laughs> Snake handler Stephen Edge served as the double for Marion's legs, too. <laughs> really? According to Edge, Karen Allen's stunt double refused to stand in among the snakes. Huh. Steven Spielberg said, hey, uh, listen, if you want to shave your legs and put on a dress and do it, have at it. And he did. <laughs> And then um, when Indy is face-to-face with the cobra, in order to get the cobra to spread its hood open, Mm -hmm. they use a toy rabbit just outside of the camera framing. Okay. Which is pretty cool, too. Yeah, yeah. It's like how they got the little monkey to do the Nazi salute. Yeah. That cute little monkey. I felt bad, though. I know. When the the monkey ate the bad dates. Poor little guy. I know. And, like, still I watch and I tell myself it's, you know, obviously uh, it's okay, but it's still sad. I know. Even though that monkey was a little douche, though. Well, he was working for the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, the way they got him to do the little salute was they had actually trained him to do it. Yeah. Um, but when it came time to do the take, he wouldn't, he just wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't do it. So, Damn animals. Um, so they tried tapping him on the head mm-hmm. to get him to react, mm-hmm. and that wasn't it. So finally they started dangling a grape. Just out a, of frame, right? Yeah, just out of frame on a fishing line. Nice. You know, so it was him reaching for the grape nice. that you saw. That's great. <laughs> You got to be creative when you're uh, an animal wrangler, That's I guess. That's right. There's some, I was thinking how many different kinds of wranglers yeah. there were. Snakes. For this. Monkeys. Tarantulas. Yeah. Horses. Oh, as long as you're bringing up the tarantulas. Okay. We probably should mention, uh, this movie was Alfred Molina's film debut. Mm-hmm. His very first day on set shooting, they covered him with tarantulas. That's right. I mean, talk about uh, an introduction to the big leagues, right? Yes. Yes. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Yeah, because they're walking in there trying to get past the booby traps. Yeah. Booby tra- I said, that's what I said. Booby, <laughs> booby traps. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so he sees like a couple of tarantulas on Indy's back and mm-hmm. they knock him off and then they turn him around and you see he's covered in them. Yeah. Well, it turns out that when they were shooting the scene, Spielberg wanted the tarantulas to be crawling right. all over him, but the, sure. the tarantulas were just standing still. He asked, you know, why aren't the tarantulas moving? And the wranglers told him that all the tarantulas on his back were males, so they weren't acting aggressive. So Spielberg directed them to put a female on his back. The male tarantulas were thrown into a rage, and they got the shot. Very cool. And I would just like to add that I'm sure that that female tarantula got 77 cents on the male tarantula's dollar. (laughs) Can I drop my microphone now? You know, I don't think they pay tarantulas, but if they did, that would make (laughs) sense. If they did. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) They're so funny. Ever the feminist, my wife. Um, He probably wanted them moving for a couple of reasons, Mm -hmm. if I had to guess. One, they look creepier when they're moving. Yes. And two, he wanted them to look like real tarantulas. Like they're real. If they're they're just standing there. Yeah, they could be stuffed things. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, very cool. Oh, those men just need a little action. But this movie, the great thing about it is right from the word go, Mm -hmm. it catches you. Yeah. It starts off with the Paramount logo, right? Yeah. And the Paramount logo is is a retro logo. Mm-hmm. You know, that wasn't the actual Paramount logo oh, in 1981. Right. They used the old one, yeah. They used an older one to kind of tie into the time frame of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then how it dissolves from the logo into the mountain range yeah. in the movie, yep. which I think is very cool. And, and that was by design. Spielberg actually had somebody from the crew scout and find that mountain. Which, <laughs> you know, that, that would be a fun job. It's just a very cool bit of detail mm-hmm. that makes Spielberg great. Yes. That little thing. So, and then of course... Indiana Jones gets into the little cavern where mm-hmm. all that stuff, where all the booby traps are and everything mm-hmm. else. And then, of course, the giant boulder. Mm-hmm. Right out of the gate, you're like, you're drawn right in. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. Yep. The scene, of course, where Indy runs from the boulder in the opening sequence, the boulder actually was fiberglass. Okay. And Spielberg was so impressed by how well it was designed that mm-hmm. he made the boulder longer in the scene. Yeah, yeah. But Harrison Ford actually had to outrun that boulder. It was shot from five different angles, so he had to outrun it ten times. It's the new boulder workout. There's one take where he kind of stumbles when he's running yeah. away. And they left it in because they thought it really looked authentic. Okay. But sound designer Ben Burt, again, to the rescue, mm-hmm. um, he was trying to get a good sound effect for, for that scene, yep. too. And... Again, they tried the real thing. They tried to push boulders down a hill, and it just wasn't <laughs> yeah. it wasn't what they were looking yeah. for. So what they ended up doing later in the day, as they were leaving in a Honda Civic, which is a small car back then, they coasted it down a gravel embankment, and they noticed that that sounded like what they wanted. Okay. So he hooked up a microphone near one of the rear tires and recorded the sound. Wow, doing all that stuff live. Isn't that great, though? It really is cool. He uh, used a distinct gunshot mm-hmm. for Indy's, Indy's gun. Yeah, because even though Indy uses Smith & Wesson revolver, Bert actually recorded a rifle firing, a Winchester okay. rifle. Okay. And that's what they used for there. Did you know that the ghosts, the, how that cry, that, ooh, that's, that was actually sea lions and dolphins. Oh, wow. And then he kind of like put it through a process. Oh, and the sound of the lid of the ark being lifted. It was actually Bert lifting off the heavy top cover of his own toilet. <laughs> it's really funny when you think about it. Next time you have to, you know, fix the chain in your toilet. Yeah, you know. <laughs> You're going to think of the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> uh, you know, you were talking about the, the ghosts and stuff. Mm-hmm. The spirit effects at the climax were achieved by shooting mannequins underwater in slow motion through yeah, a fuzzy lens. That's right. And that one ghost that kind of comes up towards the camera and then it like turns into the creepy thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they had a kind of unusual way of getting that to happen, too. 
the ILM guys actually found a receptionist at Lucasfilm and they outfitted her in long white robes and they painted her face, you know, ghostly blue and white. They had her sit on a flat trapeze mechanism in front of a blue screen Mm -hmm. and she was swinging back and forth and her swinging away from the camera. They actually ran that backwards to bring her towards the camera. They did a composite with a skeletal model for the final scary face. Very cool. (laughs) You imagine you're sitting there answering phones one day. Next thing you know, you're you're a creepy thing in a a Spielberg movie. Yeah. (laughs) We always talk about this, especially with these older movies that we talk about. They had to be really creative. Yeah. And you take for granted computers to do. Yeah. I mean, everything now is done CGI Mm -hmm. and and especially stunts and things Mm -hmm. like that. Sound effects you can find anywhere. Yeah. Just download them. They really had to be creative to make these movies be as great as they were and that's one of the things that i hope when people watch these movies now you don't take for granted and you kind of go wow it's amazing Mm -hmm. how they achieve this even if a special effect from an 80s or earlier movie looks a little cheesy now compared to what you're used to seeing keep in mind the amount of effort that it took to make that even happen Mm -hmm. uh, it blows my mind Mm -hmm. it's so cool and that's why i think i really appreciate these older movies more now because now It seems like, not that it's easy to make things happen with computers, it's easier. It is. But it takes a lot of time and manpower and man hours and everything else. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a process, but... But, I mean, like, back then they had to, like, get the skeleton heads and cover them with gelatin, right? Yeah, it's... And, like, set it all up and melt the gelatin off them to get that effect. With certain effects or certain stunts... They really had one shot at it most of the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the scene where they're in the Well of Souls and the giant pillar that looks like an eagle, Mm -hmm. when that topples over. Yeah, when he kind of rides it to break through the wall. Yeah, they could only do that once because they didn't have time to rebuild the set. Exactly. That was a one take. Yeah, it's really cool when you think about it. Mm -hmm. There was a certain art form that I think is lost a little bit nowadays because it's almost a little more sterile with all the computer stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a different kind of art form now. Right. I, I really appreciate the creativity. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So uh, another one of the iconic scenes is Indy being dragged under and then behind the moving truck. Mm-hmm. It's actually a tribute to a similar stunt in John Ford's 1939 film Stagecoach. The truck was specially constructed to be a little bit higher above the ground than normal. And the center of the road during the stunt was sort of dug out a little bit to give a little extra clearance for uh, Indiana Jones to pass underneath safely. And what they did was the camera was set at 20 frames per second. So on screen, the truck looked like it was moving faster than it actually was while filming. Harrison Ford was actually dragged behind the truck part of the time. He did some of his own stunts in that, which is amazing. He's badass, man. Make no mistake about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he ended up with bruised ribs. Yeah, bruised ribs, and there was a uh, he had another a leg injury too. Uh, The plane ran over his knee. Oh, that's right. And at that point, he said for them just to ice it because he didn't really want to deal with the health care in that country. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Who could blame him, right? Just ice it. I'll be fine. (laughs) So another cool thing about the truck scene is during the chase, Harrison Ford dispatches all three of his stunt doubles, all of which are playing German soldiers. Terry Leonard plays the driver of the truck, who gets punched out of the cab by Indy. Vic Armstrong and Martin Grace play soldiers hanging onto the side of the truck before being knocked off. And the truck chase took approximately eight weeks to film. Wow. So let's talk a little bit about casting in this movie. Okay. It's no secret that Tom Selleck was at one point considered to be in this movie as Indiana Jones. Mm -hmm. And what I learned when doing the research was Mm -hmm. that he was not actually the first choice to play Indy, contrary to popular belief. (gasps) What? I know. Harrison Ford was actually Steven Spielberg's first choice to play Indy, but George Lucas objected. He said, look, the guy was in Star Wars. He was in American Graffiti. I want to have different guys that I work with. Yeah, so they did a whole audition process. 
Spielberg's second choice was Tom Selleck, but he wasn't able to take the role because he was committed to Magnum P.I. at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was just starting. Mm -hmm. And when uh, CBS found out that this was a possibility, they made it legally impossible for him to do the movie. Which is, uh, I guess, a shame. But at the same time, can you imagine anybody but Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones now? Nope, but you know what the casting director could? His first choice was Jeff Bridges. Yeah, and I think Jeff Bridges was actually offered the role and he turned it down. Oh! Which is uh, amazing Wow! Because I don't even... What, what was he doing at this time I mean, that he would turn this down? Yeah, That's I don't know. incredible. Maybe people read the script and didn't think it was going to be as big of a movie as it became. You know, maybe they thought it was going to be almost like a sort of a cheesy just, tribute to like those serial movies. Yeah, yeah. You know, like where the cliffhanger action, movies. but no characterization or something. Yeah. Some of the other people who were considered that I read mm-hmm. for the role: Nick Nolte, mm-hmm. Steve Martin, if you okay. can imagine that. Mm-hmm. But he chose to do Pennies from Heaven instead. Bill Murray. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wow. Uh, he dropped out due to scheduling conflicts with SNL. Huh. Chevy Chase. Tim Matheson, who was uh, one of the stars of Animal House, okay. Nick Mancuso, Peter Coyote, Sam Neill, and Jack Nicholson. Yep. And also Bruce Boxleitner. Oh, wow. Remember him? Okay. Don Johnson, mm-hmm. Mark Harmon, Sam Shepard, and even David Hasselhoff. Wow. The Hoff. The Hoff. <laughs> Harrison Ford was cast less than three weeks before principal photography began. Mm-hmm. So it really got down to the wire. That's, that's pretty amazing when yeah, you think about yeah. it. Yeah. Some of the other casting notes that I think are interesting. Steven Spielberg originally wanted Danny DeVito to play Sala. Mm-hmm. The original script called for his stature to be more like DeVito's, okay. like five foot two or whatever. Five two, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think DeVito's even smaller than that. But DeVito was set for the role, but he had to drop out because he was involved with Taxi and he couldn't get out of that. Amy Irving and Deborah Winger were considered for the role of Marion. Mm-hmm. Sean Young was used as Marion in the screen test for all of the actors who auditioned for Indy. Maureen McCormick had also auditioned for the role of Marion. Yes, Marsha Brady. Marsha, Marsha, who just Marcia. turned Who just turned 60, by the Amazing. way. Amazing. <laughs> and Steven Spielberg cast Karen Allen after seeing her in Animal House. He thought she was so good in that. So. That's right. And also considered uh, Jane Seymour. Oh, cool. Mary Steenburgen. Okay. Valerie Bertinelli. Wow. Barbara Hershey. And Dee Wallace, who well, would go on to play the mom in E.T. Yeah. The name Marion Ravenwood was a combination of two names, actually. Marion was the grandmother of Lawrence Kasdan's wife, and Ravenwood was taken from Ravenwood Court, a small street off Beverly Glen. I think a lot of people probably know where they got the name Indiana as well. Right. Indiana was the name of George Lucas's wife's dog. Right. It was a Malamute. <laughs> yeah. And the cool thing was that uh, I didn't know this. Indiana was also uh, the inspiration for another famous George Lucas character. That's right, Chewbacca. (laughs) Very, very cool. How cute is that? (laughs) Yeah. So Indiana Jones' hat came from the famous Herbert Johnson hat shop in Seville Row, London. Mm -hmm. Costume designer Deborah Nadelman said that in order to give it the aged look that it had, she had to like kind of grab it and twist it around. And then she and Harrison Ford both sat on it. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Yeah, they tried on hundreds of hats. It's amazing. Hundreds because, I mean, a hat, especially back then, was a very personal thing to a man. Yeah. Indiana Jones without that hat is a totally different Indiana Jones. I mean, it's such a big part of who he is, you know? Indy's battered leather jacket was actually brand new when they got it, and Mm -hmm. they had to artificially age it. Mm -hmm. They actually bought kind of affordable jackets, Mm -hmm. and when the costume designer went to age them, they all just started falling apart. (laughs) Or the leather, like the finish would come off in her hands and stuff, and she went back to them and said, we we gotta spend a little more. Yeah, you gotta get better quality jackets. Yeah, so it just goes to show you, just pay the money the first time. There you go. (laughs) Especially when you're making a multi-million dollar movie, yeah. I guess, right? There were a, a bunch of whips used of different lengths, depending oh. on what the scene was. Okay. The kangaroo hide bullwhip 
that, you know, I guess was the primary one used in the movie, mm-hmm. was sold in December 1999 at Christie's Auction House in London for $43,000. His jacket and hat are on display at the Smithsonian. Ah, oh, how cool. Yeah. And I always thought it was cool. I mean... Back then, I didn't know, like when I saw the movie the first time at the movies, that, Mm -hmm. you know, Harrison Ford has that little scar in his chin. So Mm -hmm. you figure, oh, it's from the whip. But, you know, it's not, of course. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's, again, all of the uh, appeal of him. Mm -hmm. You know, it makes him look more rugged and more badass. Yep. Yep. And (laughs) And chicks dig scars, right? They sure do. (laughs) (laughs) He wore all earth tones, too. That was the costume designer's deliberate choice because she said that Indiana Jones was actually part of the earth that he was digging in. Very cool. One thing I think that's really interesting is the Ark itself has powers. It's not just a vessel for carrying the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. Right. It's got powers. And there were deleted scenes that kind of explained it better. Okay. Because there's two rules about the Ark. Don't feed it after midnight. <laughs> oh, no, that's the wrong movie. Oh, honey. Okay. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. That's a different Spielberg movie. <laughs> <laughs> number one, if you touch the Ark, you die. And number two, if you look at the Ark when it's opened, you die. Well, that was very well demonstrated in the movie, pretty much. Yep, yep, yep. So the very first time um, Indy and Sala visit Imam, he's the guy who translates the, the headpiece. Yeah. We think it's a medallion, but it turns out it's really the headpiece for the staff. Right. So he's staff reading it and everything. I think there's extra dialogue in there originally about do not touch the Ark, do not look at it. Oh, okay. It. You know, and and then, so that's how Indy knows to tell Marion not to look at yeah, it. Yeah, okay. and then when Indy and Sala actually go to get it, Sala is going to touch it and Indy tells him no and I think that was cut also. Okay. It's like its own weapon. Yeah. Well, it's it's a very powerful thing. And the one thing that I, I really appreciate about this is how much reverence Indiana Jones has for the things that he finds. Yes. Whereas the people that are trying to get them for financial gain or power or whatever, mm-hmm. they clearly don't have the reverence. Yeah. It stands the test of time, this movie, 35 mm-hmm. years old. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and it still plays well. I mean, it's yeah. great. Some things are just timeless. Yeah, it's true. You know, if something is well-written and well-acted mm-hmm. and well-executed with the direction and everything, it lasts. Yep. I had a great time watching it again. Yeah, me too. Well, I think that closes the crate on Raiders of the Lost Ark, officially. <laughs> what do you think? I think so. Well, thanks for joining me for another episode. Thank you for having me back. Appreciate it. And again, a reminder that uh, next week we will not be publishing a new episode because we'll be on vacation. But you can uh, revisit another episode that Sue and I talked about. Episode 28, look back in the archives on podbean.com if you can't get it on iTunes. The Campaign, great movie with Will Ferrell and Zach Galifianakis. Very, very funny. And, and a little too true to life nowadays. Yeah, it's pretty amazing how much it parallels the current election. So thanks to you for listening as always. And please remember to like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash screenfacts. Remember, if you have any comments, if you have any favorite scenes or characters from the movie, you can let us know there. You can also tweet me at Jason Davis Voice. You can email screenfacts at yahoo.com as well. You can order ScreenFacts merchandise on the podcast page of jasondavisvoice.com. Show theme music by audionautics.com. Thanks to our announcer, Kim McKay from kimsvoice.com. Screen Facts with Jason Davis is a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Visit jasondavisvoice.com if you need a voice for a commercial, narration, promo, internet video, e-learning or training program, and more. Click on the podcast page to get information about where you can download and listen to past episodes. Listen again next Wednesday for a new episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis.